This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 115 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host Gary Scott and we're back to full strength this week as I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thanks. I'm back from 10 days in Norway, so it's safe to say that I am filled with bread, cheese and accurate and delighted to be back. In a week that saw Alan McGregor honoured by the Sevco faithful by what will we call it a memorable Tifo at his testimonial. Yes. It's quite something. Two things about this. Well, A, that's hilarious just in and of itself. But the second part, I love the fact that Rangers fans seem to have forgotten the fact that Al McGregor was very, was one of the very first out the door that did do walking away when it all went pear-shaped back in 2012, but still now is revered as some sort of hero. It's amazing how the memory can choose to forget things, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and quite funny. Yeah, yeah, Alan McGregor and uh, Greg Will, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Safe to say one had a more successful career than the other. <laughs> um, in a week that also saw James Michael Goodwin bring the nose up on United's via play League Cup campaign as they beat the Blue Toon. Are we still calling it the via play League Cup, given that they've pulled all the all the money out of Scotland? Well, I can only assume it's just them, because I found that via play is a Nordic company. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume they've thrown the toys out of the pram after we pumped them in the Ulival back a few weeks ago. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, it's still the via play for the time being, um, until it'll then be rebranded as Satanta, probably, and then we've gone full circle all over again. <laughs> and a week that also saw Derek McInnes tap into his extensive scouting database as he brought Marley Watkins to Rugby Park. Who saw that one coming? Not me. Well, I was about to say, I think it was everyone. Russ Richardson, that man is stealing a living. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> it's going to be another busyish one this week as we count down the days to the start of the new season as we bring you the latest news maybe 24 this week, including our thoughts on the Don's trip to Preston on Saturday. And then after the break, it's the return of my favourite game, this time in the company of Don's Twitter luminary, Duncan Rothney. So, boys, the week that's been... Start of the week, saw what was actually a, a pretty insightful interview with Don's Youth Academy Director Gavin Levy on Red TV talking about the link now between the Academy, the first team, the benefits that he sees in us having Barry Robson in the main seat now, how that can only be a, a, a good thing to help us bring through more young players into our first team setup. A pretty good insight actually overall to our Youth Academy structure, the various different successes we've had at all levels recently. Definitely well worth a watch or a listen, and I think definitely worth keeping an eye on the Youth Academy 
over the coming weeks as well. I think there's been some chat about there maybe being a little bit of a revamp, a bit of a reorg of the academy as we continue to focus on being the best development of the best developer of youth talent in the country. Um, a pretty decent actual piece on Red TV, which sometimes is not the case on the official club media, but this was pretty decent, I thought. I don't have Red TV, so I will take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie, I, I spend enough elsewhere, and then Red TV is an extra, so uh, you can cut that bit out, Gav. I don't have it. So. <laughs> was it free? Actually, no, you know, sometimes they put, so. Of no, course right, it okay. wasn't free. Just, 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 maybe just say, yeah, it was good. And it seems they're doing a good job. If you want, I can like splice in Krusty the Clown's whole I endorse this event or product right by now. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Wholeheartedly endorse this event or product. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think, yeah, that's been mentioned. The idea of this kind of perhaps restructure or revamp in terms of personnel, obviously, by Robson stepping up to be the manager i assume you have to believe in a sort of unexpected uh, or like <laughs> not desired uh state of affairs when we hire jim goodwin certainly not altogether that long ago uh we've done well in the last few years it's, it's undeniable in terms of bringing young players young talent through and uh if there's anything we can do to enhance that um create more opportunities then i'm all on board so i'm very intrigued as to what's going to happen here uh, yeah, I think the creating the opportunities is important because I see, I forget his name, we lost the young lad to Leeds. And that's not the first Perry, time yeah. over the last couple of seasons where uh, I guess a lot of the younger players get get hyped and not all will, will go on and make it. But it's it's kind of finding that balance between if you sign everyone up to long-term deals, that's not going to work for you. But trying to find a way where you might not be able to compete financially, but if there's an obvious and a, a proven path to the first team maybe some of these guys think well you know you go go elsewhere and you may or may not get into the first team or I could hang around here and look there's five six of my peers who've gone and done it and then they might get a move or they might stay in the team whatever it may be so yeah something we can do to try and get more game time for these guys if they're good enough and I guess that's the difficulty at that age you can be good at that age group but are you actually good enough that yeah. you'd get some meaningful first team involvement so that you'd want to hang around. And so it's, I think it's it's difficult. There's a lot of really, really good work being done. You look at some of the successes in the tournaments we've had across the age groups. So it feels like there's definitely, fingers crossed, a crop of players that we will be seeing in the first team over the coming seasons. But yeah, still some way of maybe not losing your, your highly rated prospects would be, you know, if they can maybe address that a little bit, that'd be good. I think that was difficult for them to do because you can only tie these guys down to a certain length contracts and stuff at the age of that. And ultimately, when you know, when parents and kids get the opportunity to move, you know, to England and into one of the academy systems in England, it can be very appealing. I think it's fair to say, and you've seen that with like Lewis Perry and that. Um, and and it's one of these things. It's taking that gamble, isn't it? Between are you good enough to force your way into the Leeds United first team setup, or are you more likely to do an Alfie Babbage and decide to hang out here? One of the interesting parts I thought was that Gavin Lee was talking about how just a few weeks ago. We'd announced the crop of, I think, it's six players who've signed, you know, um, full-time contracts now to move into the 18s this season. And they were kind of talking about how they'd been down at Pataudry with the families of the kids when they'd done their signings and stuff. And at least in that instance there, they were actually able to point at the group just the year before, which included Alfie Babbage, um, which also included Finlay Marshall. And, you know, they were, you know, the, the, the club were quite able to sit there and say, well, look, Alfie Babbage was in your shoes this time last year. He's had minutes in the first team. 
And he's actually had meaningful minutes towards the back end of last season as well. His debut was like 90 seconds or whatever, but then he had that run against, was it Kilmarnock, I think it was? You know, and they were saying Finlay Marshall probably would have been in the first-team squad, might have even got some minutes if it hadn't been for the fact he was away with the Scotland under-17s at the time. So that in itself is a good story to tell parents and stuff as well. And when you go, actually, look, the, the kids who were in your shoes literally just 12 months ago have found a pathway in the first team. So if you're good enough, you're going to get that opportunity. Yeah, de- definitely. It's just trying to, I suppose, just trying to keep that going, isn't it? I mean, obviously, it must be, it must be really quite important if you're looking at it saying, yeah, I've trained with that guy. And you'll have a view of where you thought he was good, bad, or indifferent. But you're probably thinking, well, I was just as good as him. So if he's done it, why can't I? But I also see the appeal and you don't know what's getting offered that may or may not be a bit of a a game changer for the family setup as well at that age. So it's it's kind of difficult to criticise someone for for taking the move. Um, So, yeah, a lot of good work. And let's hope... Let's hope over the coming season we sort of transform what seems to be a lot of potential into actual, you know, players in the first team doing the business. Indeed. Moving on then quickly. Thursday afternoon, saw the news that Nadine Hansen had been appointed the Don's women's side's new captain for the season. So Hansen, who signed up on semi-pro terms last week following her initial move to Aberdeen last season, she becomes the Don's third captain after Kelly Forrest and Lauren Campbell since the side were formally brought under the AFC banner. Our first preseason game as well at the weekend for the Quines. Um, they're a successful one for them, beating Spartans by three goals to two and Edinburgh goals from Shore, a double from Bailey Hutchison. We saw the visitors three goals to the good at halftime before Spartans grabbed a couple in the second half. But a decent start for Clinton Lancaster, Gab. You didn't get a chance to give us your thoughts on, well, what is a magical name of our new women's team manager? It is a name straight out of, I don't know, Simpsons folklore. I feel like, yeah, he's like, an understudy for Troy McClure. It's a fantastic name. It absolutely is. It's very, it's very regal. Friday, then saw the confirmation that the Dons had finalised the appointment of a new head of recruitment to replace Darren Mowbray, who had recently departed for Southampton. I did enjoy, there was one tweet from somebody in the club where they just said the recently departed Darren Mowbray, which made it sound like he was dead. Um, Jordan Miles joining up at the club after leaving West Ham United, where he was latterly their head of recruitment. Miles, who had previously had roles with Derby County and Ipswich Town, his main background is in data analysis, which would certainly seem to dovetail with our focus on data-driven recruitment that we've seen in recent years. But even more importantly for us, it would appear that Jordan Miles actually exists as we've seen images of him, unless these are deep fakes from the dark web. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of these appointments. It's kind of a bit like um, Peter Levin coming in it's hard to get excited straight away because you don't necessarily know exactly what we're getting here. But what's undeniable is that, you know, West Ham, you know, they did win the... Uh, Gavin, Gavin, correction. West Ham. West Ham. They did win the Conference League. Um, they've plucked up, picked up a few good players in the last couple of years to make that happen. It's, it's that thing, like, what exactly is was his role within that? You're not exactly sure. But he's a guy who's come from, you know, Ipswich, Derby County, West Ham. Those are good clubs to get a grounding um, for him to then develop uh, into a, you know, the head of recruitment that we've now taken him in to be. So it's not as though he's coming into Aberdeen to to learn on the job by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think it's hard to get necessarily excited because you don't really, we're not going to see the, the fruits of this until January at the earliest, probably more likely next season. You'd like to think that all the recruitment is already in place. Um, so it's, I think it's good just that we've certainly got the, the job done. 
uh, got someone in the door and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what he does. But I think that'll be more that'll come next year. Yeah, that's probably all fair. I suppose recruitment's are kind of a, it's to fill the judge as a fan because you don't know who they're after and who they've identified versus what deals we can actually get over the line. So, you know, you might, the guys we end up with are not necessarily the ones that they have picked as being the the optimum transfer. It's just what you can actually do in terms of the deal. So, yeah, it's good that it's done and we'll just watch the space. But at least he's coming into, I was going to say a settled team. That's not maybe not true. Actually, quite a lot of changes, but it seems like a good time to join. You know, there's yeah. a decent amount of optimism around the, the club and actually with some of the appointments that have been made, you know, feels like the pieces are starting to to fall into place. So it's probably a decent time to to come and, and probably I'm just guessing, you know, sort of younger, ambitious kind of guy. That's probably what we're looking for. You know, I feel like we've got quite a you don't have to be young per se, but we've got decent levels of experience, but that sort of hunger and desire to push on, which will probably yeah. mean leaving Aberdeen. But the only way they're going to go on to bigger and better things is to build up some sort of track record of performance. So it's all, I mean, it's all quite encouraging, actually. That goes back to that, doesn't it? it? It certainly reflects where we are within the football food chain, not just in a in a player sense, but also from the kind of side, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The side functions that support the football side of the, of the business that we're not going to be able to attract the world's best head of troop, but we are going to be hopefully able to attract guys who view us as a stepping stone to go on to do bigger and better things in their careers. And if we can get the fruits of their labor for 18, 24 months, and then someone in comes and picks them up, then it's because they've done a good job. Usually is why someone's coming to take them. So that's, that's the model we're going to have to look at. I think both on and off the pitch, I guess, going forward, I guess the biggest concern I have, and it's not a concern that I've got that much, but it's just around, it's a guy who's moving from the premier league in England West Ham's budgets are going to absolutely dwarf the type of thing that we can consider is just how easily he can shift his focus um, to shopping in the markets that we're looking to shop in. But I guess this is where the data-driven stuff all then starts to kick in is it's certain parameters and data that feeds into this and then try to find players that you can make work with. Yeah, budget. I was going to say, presumably it's just like Auto Trader. You just, Auto Trader, you just pick your slider, your start price and your max price. And that's what you're, that's the point you're fishing in. So... He's still going to be analysing the data, but he's just going to have to significantly reduce his monthly payment box. <laughs> has that has that car had a <laughs> ligament injury? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah it, was it category of... C or D? It's been yeah. right off. That's why it's dirt cheap. Stevie May, as otherwise known as. Uh, so I'm sure, I, I know what you mean, it's a different market, but the principles are the same. Um, but what he probably is going to find is it's maybe, well, maybe it's not easier to do a deal at West Ham because they're, They've got a lot more money than us, but they've not really got a huge amount of money if you look at some of the teams in that league. So it's not like he's come from a man said where you just present a blank check and it gets filled in and you get your player. Sure. So we'll see what happens. I think it's a looks like a, a reasonable appointment. At least he's in now to get a feel for what may or may not need to be done in January and looking hard ahead to probably year down the line as well. Definitely. Um Friday saw the confirmation that we'd lost out on Tonio Teklic, the Croat midfielder, choosing to head to Turkey instead of the northeast of Scotland, joining up with Trabs on Sport. I guess it's one of these things. Um, you're just gonna have to hope that we've not had all of our eggs in one basket on this one. I'd accepted this wasn't gonna happen quite some time ago, so uh, it's um, yeah, I was already at peace with it. Um, he, he did sound like an exciting player, but um, you know, obviously. Decided that Turkey traps and is where he wants to be, and um, you know I'd rather have players 
We want to be at Aberdeen, so yeah, let's just let's just move on. We did though make a signing on Friday. The confirmation that we had made our seventh signing of the summer as we unveiled Israeli international or Dadia, a right back who joins the club on a year-long loan from Hapoel Beersheva with Aberdeen holding exclusive option to purchase the 26-year-old next summer. Now we covered the signing in a lot more detail in episode 114 and a quarter alongside the aptly titled sports rabbi himself, Josh Hilkman. But thoughts on this one, gents? I'm I'm intrigued by a couple of things. Um, Barry Robbins... Excuse me? The jewelry? That is uh that pendant. That's that's shocking. If Jason Hill, if you listen, in the club shop, please. No. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes. Gav, you're getting special delivery of a Northern Lights kit and a pendant. <laughs> um I'm intrigued by yeah, a couple of things. Barry Robson's language in the uh, statement when we signed him describing him as an excellent footballer. Um the way he'd word it makes me think that Daria is very much here to be a first team player. So if that's going to be the case and he's a right-sided um, fullback primarily, where does that leave the shape up of the squad? What's perhaps the plans for him, Nicky Devlin? And then in your chat with um, the aforementioned sports rabbi, he said that if we're going to play with a back three, the reason he's not got as many caps for Israel is because the coach they had previously played with a back three and Daddy is not the kind of right wing back you'd play in that system because he's more defensively minded. So it all it's all a little bit in the air for me about what this means because you know we've been playing a back three yeah. in preseason. We've had a back three, generally speaking, under Barry Robson the entire time he's been manager. So what is the vision? We we know he can play as a centre back as well. So what are we talking about here? Are we talking maybe he's going to be the right sided of a back three? Where does that leave McDonald and Williams? Where does that leave, you know, the Liam Scales conversation? We're still um, being linked with that Serbian defender. Or what does that mean for Nicky Devlin? Um, it's a lot of unanswered questions, but um, I mean, he's he's a good age. It's kind of a deal where we can't really lose as such, unless he is just fucking murder, which I don't think he will, because, you know, there's no loan fee. We've no. got the exclusive rights for him next year. He's still a decent age, like 26. We can get him here, have a good season or two. 28, he'd be a good age where you could still get some good resale value. So in that sense, um, I'm excited. But yeah, it just, it leaves me wondering what exactly his, how Robson sees Daria fitting into the team and if the kind of knock-on effect is there. How does that affect Devlin, yeah. the shape of the team, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very intrigued to see how he, what kind of player he is because obviously speaking to Josh, it did sound as though he was much more naturally like a fullback rather than a wingback. But then Daddy's underlying numbers when we looked, went and looked at them before, they're actually pretty decent in the attacking third as well. He, he gets up and down the line pretty well, Looks as though. He's got an incredibly accurate cross on him according to his um, numbers from last season. So, I don't know, maybe there's one of these things that we've seen something again in the data where we go, actually, he's maybe not being utilized, he could be utilized more in this type of role and that is what it was. Graham, your thoughts on it is after all, our first Israeli signing, the Dons continuing to expand our United Nations um, over the course of the summer. Are Israel in the United Nations or is that a touchy subject? It's probably a touchy subject, isn't it? I think we'll just skip on. And open worms yeah. everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, yeah while, while Gary's putting those worms back in the lid on. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know anything about them, to be perfectly honest. So you can look at the stats and you can take a view as to whether it's good, bad or indifferent, but they don't always necessarily translate into leagues. And like you say, maybe how we might see him 
being used in our team versus how he has been used. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of watch the space. I agree. I'm not totally certain how it's all going to play out. I mean, I guess if we've pursued Devlin, that deal was done so early that presumably that, 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 that just didn't happen. For example, it wasn't like, oh, suddenly Devlin's going to be out of contract and we'll just get him. That's obviously, or to me, that's pretty apparent that we've been after that for some time. Whereas as you get to maybe towards like the back end of the window, maybe guys come up that you didn't think would or whatever, and you maybe get someone. But it kind of feels like these are ones that they've wanted. So, yeah. But it also feels like two into one. So I guess you need cover and competition. And you could argue, um, oh, what's the boy's name? It probably means Jaden Richardson's on the outs, I think. That's what I was thinking. You know, if you take the view that he's not going to play, then that may, means you've got two and probably want to get him out on loan or whatever it may be. So, yeah, from a personal, like from a player point of view, you know, decent, like I say, decent age, all the rest of it all seems to be to be reasonable. It's just trying to figure out what he's going to do with them. Like I said earlier on, if you want to get a bit more detail on Or Daddy, there's episode 114 and a quarter, which is out there. Now, go and take a listen to that. It's quite interesting uh, insight from uh, Josh, who is a sports journalist in Israel. And it talks a little bit about maybe that's an untapped market as well, actually, potentially for us. I think there's probably some decent level of players in that in that league that we should be potentially considering. Um, moving on really quickly, under-18s then with a with good win over Rothis on Friday night. Goals from Victor NM and Fraser Mackey sealing a 2-0 win ahead of their cast under-18 league um, league opener, which gets up and running this Friday afternoon with a trip to Queen's Park. And then, finally, we're here now at last, the first team entering into our latest pre-season game on Saturdays. We travelled to Deepdale for the Craig Brown, Yule Moeni, Calvin Ramsey, Barry Nicholson, Michael Hart, Stevie May, Jaden Stockley, Derby against Preston North End. On paper, this is the toughest of the games we've got in our pre-season calendar against an English Championship side who do appear on the face of it to have recruited quite well this uh, summer as they look to improve on their 12th place finish in the second tier last season. But that said, they did finish only six points off the playoff positions in the Championship last season. Another healthy travelling support of just over 1,300, including one Shea Logan, saw Barry Robson's side lineup in a 3-5-2 once again. But with injuries to Angus McDonald and Reese Williams, we'll come on to that later on. It saw a makeshift backline consisting of a back three of Jack McKenzie, um, Nicky Devlin in the centre, and Jack Milne on the right hand side with Shaden Morris at right wing back and Johnny Hayes at left wing back. Gav is just nearly falling off his seat. I don't know why, but I've just had a flashback to that first tie with Sigma Olovich. <laughs> Somebody mentioned that the other day to me, Sigma Olovich. Uh, where Clarkson, Shinny, and Ramadan in the middle of the park with Sokler and Duke up top. Some familiar faces in that Preston starting 11. Ex-Dons goalkeeper Freddie Woodman in goals. Former Partick Thistle defender and nephew of Ricky Gillis, I found out earlier on today. Yes, really that Ricky Gillis, Liam Lindsay in defence. Calvin Ramsey on the bench following his loan move from Liverpool to Preston. And just to make you feel really old, son of Yul Moeni, Noah Moeni, was on the bench for the Lily Whites as well. A pretty scrappy opening phase which saw a couple of testy tackles, let's put it that way, flying around. But it was the home side who scored first, Frokiar finding space on the edge of the box to fire home his first goal for Preston after his move this summer from Odense. That was coming after some poor defensive work from Jack McKenzie. Sokler with a chance on 18 minutes, but his shot at Woodman was tame before North End then made it two. A minute later, Potts playing in Frokiar, his effort from the D found the bottom corner. Defensively, once again, let's be polite about it. Not great. Frock, you're finding way too much space between our midfield and backline. 2-0 at halftime. 
In the second half, potential penalty award for Aberdeen on 50 minutes, but the referee not giving anything following Duke's tango with Lindsay in the box. Speaking about penalties and uh, refereeing, have we all seen the fact, I was unaware of this until this week, that um, in the Women's World Cup, they're trialling this idea about when it goes to VAR, that the referee then announces in the stadium the decision. Are we all up for that in Scottish football? Yes. Can you imagine <laughs> the hilarity? I can't wait. What a, what a pitodry. When the VAR comes over the tunnel and all you hear is... No, 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 the referee. It's like it's like American football. Oh, he's going well, to... Be comes up. Well, it still has to be mic'd up. Surely. Oh, obviously. You know, clearly, yeah. Is he going to carry like a, a promo stick? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> or just have them... It's still going to come across the tunnel, though. And it's still just going to be... Penalty yeah. Rangers. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to like, having to like, sheepishly award one. No. Anyway, um, or... Willie Collins says he's got a live mic and says go a pipe bomb in the centre of the centre circle. Or when they don't cut off the comms and all you hear is penalty Rangers. I'll start <laughs> <Yeah>. a coupon. <laughs> um, anything that allows referees to become even more of a centre of attention, I'm opposed to. So, nope, not interested. Um, where were we? Yeah, nothing doing on that one. Chance for Ramadani, his header sailing over. Don's making a couple of changes in 66 minutes. He's Duke Ramadani replaced by Duncan Barron. And the returning Boyamiowski before a further three changes on 80 minutes, which saw Babbage, Marshall and Polvara coming on for Shinny, Morris and Sokler. Finished 2-0. Second half, better, but definitely work being done here. That said, Graham, we've spoken about it last week about the, the initial couple of preseason games. It's really hard to take too much out of preseason games, especially like this, when you're really up against it from an injury perspective. Well, yeah, when it's not your it's not your defence. I mean, there's no way that... It might be what we end up playing with injuries, etc. But like that is not going to be our first team defensive unit throughout the season. So it's difficult to judge because some of those guys, I think there's been question marks out for quite some time probably as to are they good enough? Should they still be here? So yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not really taking too much out of it at this stage. It's probably more important that we just try and come through it. Uh, we don't get injuries. Um, I yeah, I don't allow myself with preseason to get too high about you know good results. If, it's, if that's nine nil against Tudor or two nil against Fraser Brar, you know we could beat we could probably beat Bayern Munich tomorrow. And I'd say, oh, that's all well and good, but that's not Motherwell for a park, is it? So it doesn't really matter to me um, what the results are in preseason until until we get down to the actual the real football. Um, so a 2-0 defeat against Preston, hey, is what it is. I think probably the more concerning thing is just that, yeah, as it stands right now with our squad, it's it seems so threadbare at, at, in defence that, you know, two injuries create that back line, which, you know, that's um, that's not winning your trophies anytime soon. Yeah. That's, that's not challenging for European places. Um, and I guess maybe the concerning thing is that I've seen some of the, I've seen the two goals and there's... Defending going on there that I've seen a little bit too much of in the last two years at Aberdeen. And uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some players in there that I don't think should be anywhere near the team, quite frankly, even in a preseason game. Never mind the fact that it's, what is it? It's the 23rd of July and our first league game is on the 5th of August. So time is running out to address that. I guess as well, perhaps tellingly, no minutes in this game here for Vinny Bajewin, for Jaden Richardson. We just spoke about Jaden Richardson a minute ago, but we'll come back on to him. Or for Anthony Stewart here. Particularly, I think the latter two I've just mentioned, Richardson and Stewart, given we are down to the bare bones in terms of defensive options. I mean, we went with Shaden Morris at right wing back, and that is by no stretch of the imagination his position. 
we, we persisted with that for 80 minutes, despite the fact we had Jaden Richardson on the bench who could play in that position. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be amazed based on the performances Jaden put in at the end of the season if Robson sees any future from Aberdeen. And when it comes to Stuart, I mean, I heard you're having the kind of same discussion about Harry Maguire at Man United when he gets stripped of the captaincy. That's clearly a statement that Ten Hag doesn't believe in him to be a part of the team at all. The fact that Robson, the first thing he did as manager was ship Tony Stewart out to MK Dons says to me that he's not part of the plans here at all, even. And yeah, like you say, even if we're playing Nicky Devlin at Sarah back in the central role and yeah, Shaden Morris, I mean, that that does all that. That says everything you need to know. And I think it's also, you know, not a good sign for Vinny Bajowin that he's played so little in preseason either. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, we don't know. I mean, Bajowin's played as much as anybody else in the first two games. He, he played an opening 45 against Huddersfield and came on, I think, against Fraser in the second half, if memory serves. But surprised he didn't play against Preston unless he may be carrying a knock as well, potentially. We don't really know about the detail on that. But Graham, just going back on Richardson and Stewart, I think the Richardson one in particular is very telling, isn't it? Now that we've brought in Ordadia, who's a right back slash right wing back. You've got Nicky Devlin, who's been brought in primarily to play in that space as well. And here, like I say, I'll beat a preseason game. But Shaden Morris is not a right wing back. That's not what we signed Shaden Morris to do and to persist with him in that position for 80 minutes when you've got a guy who fundamentally is a right back slash right wing back available and not using him surely says everything. Yeah, I can't, it can't be a good look, can it? I'm just thinking, you know, why would you put Morris in there? You obviously, I'm guessing they just want him to get like a, you know, a preseason, get some, get some mileage. I mean, Robson's been quite effusive feature. about Morris's well, yeah, so like, that's why I'm training thinking... in pre-season, so he clearly thinks there's something there. So it seems to me like you say it's minutes. But yeah, which is why I think, exactly, he's played because they want him up to speed with the rest of what will presumably be the first team because he's going to feature. Uh, so yeah, if it, Richardson can't even get a look in in that sort of... Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's, a, it's not an encouraging sign for him, is it? I, mean, I, I suppose what we do with these guys is presumably we hang on to them for numbers just in case we can't get all the business we want done completed and then at the tail end of the window they're loaned or released. Seems that way. I mean, the Tony Stewart one as well, again, as Gav says, that's not a back three. I'm, well, I'm hoping that's not a back three I see lining up at Livingston on the 5th of August. Um, unless he's just decided, you know what, I'm going to give these guys a run, particularly Jack Milne, because he's a young lad coming through and it's just an opportunity to do it. But again, it's not a great look for Tony Stewart at that point, is it? That When you're down to that level of bare bones, he's not going to look in. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I suppose it is a pre-season, so there's an element of you can experiment and play around and see how combinations of players adapt in certain positions. But if you had, I'm just thinking if it was, if it was me and I was thinking, right, Stuart's going to feature... You just change up in the second half or something, get him some minutes, get him sort of used to his, well, reacquainted with his old teammates, used to his new ones. You know, you'd have him featuring in some way, shape or form, same with Richardson. To leave him out entirely seems a little bit odd when you're when you've picked a slightly odd combination of players to fit the system you want, and he seemingly could do that and has been on the bench. So I mean, I suppose we'll see what we get next week if any of these guys feature or I suppose a week's a long time football if any of them are still here if it goes down that route but uh, yeah I, I can't help a feeling it doesn't look too encouraging for their futures right now yeah I think if you had if you were Robson and you really thought these guys are, are all potential players for you in the first team you've kind of got a 
relatively natural looking back three, which uh, which would look something along the lines of Mackenzie on the left, Stuart in the centre, and then maybe Nicky Devlin on the right of the three with then Jaden Richardson as the right wing back. There's a natural kind mm-hmm. of fit within that squad there to make that not look quite so odd on the eye, shall we say, anyway. So I think it does say a lot. So perhaps the Jaden Richardson and Anthony Stewart redemption arcs are being cut short pretty quickly. Um, confirmation after the game from Barry Robson that Angus McDonald was injured. This has been doing the rounds for a while now, and I think it's been all but confirmed by the club now that, you know, there's no confirmation on a timeline, but the chat would appear to be that the Celtic game is when Angus McDonald is targeting being fit for. Finally, confirmation as well that Reese Williams is injured as well. Um, little given away as to the extent of that injury. There was loads of rumours doing the rounds last week that this might be a quote mark long-term injury. Um, Robson giving little away about it. I think the quote exactly was, it's a back thing that's gone into his calf and we're going to have to restart him. Um, no clarity about whether we've already restarted him or we have to wait for this all to clear up to restart. I don't know how a back thing... It's just a system reset. Do we not just go and flick the switch on Stuart and Richardson? Oh, update their software <laughs> install latest defending software Indeed. and then away we go so yeah um, that's not a medical term is it that's not a medical description <laughs> I, I feel like so. we did something like that akin to um, you guys ever seen the is it the fourth Toy Story movie when they flip Buzz Lightyear mm-hmm. with the Spanish version mm-hmm. I feel like we did something like that with Tony Stewart in the semi-final but we turned him to the Argentinian version <laughs> only, well. explanation I can, only explanation I can come up with for that tackle kind of recoiling at this thought post but I'm not telling you that was very Argentinian either um, um, no I think from the sort of uh, the temperament point of view is presumably yeah. what you're thinking yeah yeah and they yeah. well yeah the uh, the wildness of the challenge shall we say Pepe's Portuguese yeah thinking prime Pepe all he didn't do was kick the guy in the back when he was on the <laughs> no Tony tried he just missed um, um, I think it, with the Williams thing that's both of them are concerning for me, actually, because of the simple fact that they're now missing big portions of the preseason. Um, and that we all know how critical that is. And of course, when they come back, if we're talking as we know by Celtic, there is really no opportunity for these guys to get minutes under their belts apart from going straight back into the competitive football. And how many times have we seen players of ours come back preseason and they just they continually break down the entire year and they just never get going? We saw it with Connor Barron last season for example so uh yeah this is that's not good news no um robson though was hopeful that he would have some more defenders in the door this week likely one of them will be slobodan rubizic uh, if that happens before this episode goes out then go back and check out episode 114.5 which will now be with you already where we talked to richard wilson but about if it's this. not but if it doesn't happen before this then it'll be in the future it's yeah, yeah. there's some there's some time travel going on here Absolutely, definitely. I can't wait to see um, Slobodan Rubicic, a Serbian in the dressing room now with uh, Ramadan in Albanian. It's going to be interesting times, that's for sure. Um, and let's not ask where he got his name from. Um, but hopefully, yeah, I think Gav, Graham and I talked about this last week and I feel like we've been talking about it now for the last two or three weeks that we still feel like the numbers and the time is ticking down towards that first game of the season and i see some people online saying it's fine as long as we get the transfer windows open till august that's great but the season starts on the 5th of august and we need to be ready to go at that point it's not i don't want to be sitting four weeks into the season and having had a shocking start to the campaign and our our initial run is not easy 
we need numbers in the door and I don't want to be panicking and Graham was right last week we need quant- quality over quantity we'll get that right but it's getting a little bit arse touchy uh, now isn't it yeah, it's 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 a weird one because you know you start off we you know we got a lot of work. It felt like we got quite a lot of work done very early. Felt like we were being very proactive, and then you kind of the weeks dwindle down like five weeks, like plenty of time. Four weeks, yep, nothing to worry about. Three weeks is probably around by the time where I start thinking, would like one or two more, please. And then no, yeah, when what we're we're two weeks away, we're less than two weeks away as we say. And anyway. to me, we don't have a first eleven that fits the system we have right now. Um, never mind uh, the strength to carry on the kind of season we're going to have. And you're right. I mean, I don't want us to be losing to Livingston, maybe getting, you know, a real hiding off Celtic and then maybe panicking and looking down our, like down the shopping list and thinking, let's just get one or two from here and bring in a few loans from here and just bulk up the squad out of, um, you know, sheer panic. Um, I'm very hopeful that this week, before we record next week, there's one or two or perhaps even three in that I can look at. And then if I can if I can at least look at the team and say, well, you know what, I now have an 11, I'll feel a lot more comfortable. But again, going back to the Preston game, just one or two injuries creates that, yeah. that, that lineup. And that team is not good enough for what we want to do. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I get it. And I, I know that, I know the club are working tirelessly. You know, Alan Burrows is in constant dialogue on Twitter saying that they're working really hard. And I do agree with Graham that we want to get the quality, not the quantity. But yeah, we're we're running out of time. And it's 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 nerve-wracking. He might have signed by the time we go out for this, but let's um he hasn't yet. But Slobodan Rubizic is a player who looks quite interesting, it's fair to say. Looks like, if nothing else, a replacement for Matty Pollock, because he appears to be very much in that mold, i.e., he's just gonna kick and head anything away speaking with Richard Wilson let's just put this way he's a stereotypical six foot four Serbian centre half yeah I look forward to his disciplinary record with our referees <laughs> yeah between him and Shinny it's going to be great fun on the appeal board we have missed that not having a big shithousey Serbian have we had a Serbian before yes we have we have well there's been a Serbian who has signed for us before but has never actually played for us and I don't know if anyone on the call will get this. And I don't know if I want to give it away. Um, Sasa Illich? Oh, Gav's got it. Sasa Illich. Well done, Gav. Back well in done. uh back in Jimmy's days, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back up GK. That's it. Signed on the dotted line, but never played. Um, but yeah, there we go. So uh Rubizic will be our second Serbian to have signed, but um the first one probably presumably to have ever actually played for us unless he has a terrible injury uh, upon arrival and never plays for us. Which the way our PC is going at the moment, I mean not entirely with the problems of possibility. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Um I guess looking at the rest of the squad, I mean it's it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Because I think Graham, you and I talked about this last week as well about if some of the players who we look at at the moment and go, I think they're surplus, if they actually turn around there's something in there, maybe the squad's not in quite as bad a shape as we thought. I think we've also got a, a first-choice midfield three in place and we've probably got enough cover in there now with Barr and, and Povara, I think, um, at this moment in time. I still think I'd maybe like to see another attacking central midfielder option or somebody playing number 10. Um, that certainly doesn't involve us having to bring back Christian Ramirez to play in that role. Um, if we are welded really strictly to the 3-5-2, it looks like we've got cover on the right. We probably maybe need a left-sided centre-back and maybe a left-sided wing-back. Possibly, I'm not entirely sure what rely on Johnny Hayes for the rest of the season. But it's really just that defensive area that seems like it's the biggest issue, isn't it, right now? 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. We don't. You know, I think back to the last tail end of the last season under Robson. Uh, in fact, probably through most of the last season, actually, goals weren't necessarily the problem. So the sort of attacking and the creative element to the team, we've not lost anyone. So, you know, hopefully if that continues on, then that, yeah, you're right, you're probably covered from that point of view. So I would agree it's more the it's more the defensive side that needs a bit of work. Um, and we're just going to have to watch this space. The shortage in numbers, it, it is exacerbated just by the simple fact that McDonald and Williams are were both injured and from the language you you mentioned it there that it's very vague what Robson said about Williams if it was just something that's a little niggle then he'd be saying don't worry about it he'll be back in a couple of weeks the way that he's worded that I mean something from your back that's affecting your calf that doesn't sound good that, that's that's uh that's gonna take more than uh a nice pack. So, and, and Reese Williams is a big lad. There's a there's a long way between the back and the calf. Yeah, and they're not even talking which part of the back. You know, so no. Um. So yeah, we're 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 critically short of numbers. Um. And I also don't want to see Johnny Hayes being a first team player every every single game. The less Jack McKenzie plays, the better, because he's not very good. <laughs> um. And yeah, left side center back. I mean, you know, the scales chat's been going around again this week because of Celtic signing another defender and I think that Scales is about as far down the pecking order now at Celtic in terms of his numeracy about how far away he is from the first team as the amount Celtic just paid for their new centre half as I am so uh, (laughs) yeah but but then the issue is like obviously we didn't have any kind of exclusive uh, deal with Celtic because if we did we would have exercised it if they want to sell Liam Scales they'll put him to market and then it's a case of whether we can afford him I, I hope that... Or it could be we get him back on loan again. Which, you know, I mean, I get that maybe Robson's taking the perspective that he'd rather have him for 34 games rather than the none. I get that. But we end up in the same conundrum as last year when we play Celtic, where, you know, it's going to be, hopefully, in this occasion, we'll actually have someone who can just come in and slot in as a natural cover and we don't have to shift anyone else around the team. But you're still going in with your, you know, the hardest game of the season without your best team. That's the that's why I have to weigh up. Um, I, I really do like to think that we have another plan that's not Liam Scales shaped. Okay, dokes. Um, let's try not to panic too much. Let's not panic. Let's 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 keep those mattresses dry for another evening, shall oh, we? Oh, Graham, mine's well, going dry. I'm not panicking. Well, there's <laughs> a cucumber it, here. Well, when it went two 0 on Saturday, I'm pretty sure Graham texted the group chat saying sack the board. So I mean, <laughs> um, uh, no, I actually said Robson out. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he lose the Stevie May Derby? Just wanted to make sure I haven't lost my touch before the season starts. No, you haven't. And not at all, mate. Not at all. Next up is a trip to Landon next week for a reunion with Michael Hector as the Dons face up against Charlton Athletic at the Valley. And I think, chaps, will that do us for now? Yes. Yes, please. It shall. Lovely stuff. Join us after the break as we are joined by Dons Twitter alumni. Duncan Rothney to chat about his favourite game. It is Aberdeen 7, Airdrie now from the 16th of January, 1993. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce the introduction of their new venture, introducing Doe & Co. brand new, fresh handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen, opening in the summer of 2023, just in time for a new season and European nights.
Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to my favourite game, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Stephen Smith. Thank you, Stephen, and well played in the Ashes this summer. <laughs> we see you. Graham's just looking so blankly with that. He's got no idea what that means. He thinks he's the weatherman. We see you, Stephen. We appreciate you. Your bread is absolutely appreciated. If you want to keep us help, keep fueled in beer or coffee, then head on over to ko-fi.com for slash ABZ football podcast. Link is in the description. Share us that beer or coffee. It is much appreciated. Um, Fantasy Football Scotland, it's back now. The, the web or the app, I should point out, has been recently. Yes, it has been switched on, switched off, and switched back on again. It's been reset. It's back to basics. It's back to the way it was, which means it's great stuff because even I lost interest in dealing with it last year. Uh, but it is back in, um, back up and running. The ABZFP Football Fantasy Football League is also available on the front page of the site. Get your team in there. We none of them. None, none of them. them. None of them allowed in your teams. We'll keep on top of it this year. Promise. And there will be prizes at the end of the season. But just remember, if you put one of them into your team... And that's Rangers or Celtic. Yes. There was a part of me this year that just thought, maybe the rules should just be that you're not like put Tavernier in, right? Because that's just like cheating. For the sheer number of penalties that they get. But then I think you're right, Gav. Either or, not allowed. If you have any of them in your team, instant DQ. And this time the ref will be watching. But yeah, get your team in. Let's let's crack on this year. Um, anyway, let's move on. Now, latest instalment of my favourite game. We're joined this week by Don's Twitter luminary, the king of the two pies and the bearded genius. It is the one and the only Duncan Rothney, who's here to talk about Aberdeen 7, 7, Airdrie nil from January 1993. Duncan Rothney, welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's it going, mate? Ah, got to buy yourself. I am, I'm good, thank you. Not too bad at all. Of course, Duncan, one of the well... Kent faces of Aberdeen FC Twitter, it's fair to say. <laughs> well, maybe I. <laughs> the biggest status quo fan in the Don support, quite possibly. Of course, the purveyor of the fat bastard meal deal at, at the pit. Oh, yes. It's yes. great Goodbye. to have you on. It's great to have you on. Um, and I guess before we we start looking at um, your favourite game, your selection, just, I guess, talk us through a little bit of your kind of, your Don's fan, first game that you can remember being the at. first game... I remember being, oh, well, the first game I went to was in, I think, October 1987. Sat in the old wing stand, the family stand, or the father and son stand, and nil-nil draw with Dundee. <laughs> Memorable. <laughs> and I was hooked. I was taken by a friend of the family, a well-known, how can I say this, old-school copper okay. from the Fraserburgh area, who would give you a clip around the log if you did anything wrong. So I was, what, 10 years old and absolutely bricking it. <laughs> he, this guy, six foot two, six foot three, sadly no longer with us now, but a well-known guy by the name of Danny Dingwall that any broker would know of, of a certain vintage. Mm-hmm. But that was it. And then a couple of years later, I got my first season ticket, 89, and I've been there ever since. What do you think it was about that first game that hooked you, do you think? I don't know. It was just live football yeah. actually in person I'd seen the odd amateur game in the Brock amateur leagues and I was out there a few times uh, but actually going to a live game well I was brought up in a forces kid so I lived in Germany for five years mm-hmm. previous to that and never got to go see any football apart from I think a 
British Army Nine Cup final, which is for all extent and purposes just two sets of scories beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> but other than that, it was just only football I ever watched was on the TV. I knew nothing about the Scottish game when I moved back here. It was always match today, Liverpool, Everton, Man U, all that. Came back here and I like football and this guy took me and it's his fault. <laughs> there we go. That's where the blame lies for all these I blame years. Him. That's it. All the years Indeed. And the old wing stand as well, like proper, like, there's not many people, I don't think really now, Kickner, who still remember the old wing stand. I, I just no. about still remember it. Um, my first my first game at Pataudry would have been I think quite possibly somewhere 87, 88 I think uh, reserve team game against Motherwell obviously you know when they used to do you know, the reserves used to be at uh, the opposite, the opposite week weeks and all that um, and I remember Wingstand quite a bit for that um, it's brilliant um, funny just one of those things that's kind of just lost in time now that, uh, that little funny not wee the stand best view. not no. the best view at all but nice wee enclosed place in the corner and it was mixed for some uh, reason for which I didn't quite get. But, oh well, never mind. Sadly missed it now, but... <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, Favourite Dawn Spur of all time? Brian Irvin. Brian Irvin. Brian Irvin has to be. Good. He would run through a brick wall for you. Never the most gifted of players, most skillful. Could pretty much only kick the ball away he was facing. But at set pieces, always good for a goal, or a tempting goal. And just the... Uh, Heart and commitment he showed every single game, and he was a half decent keeper. He was indeed as well, absolutely. And you know what, top of a guy as well. Um, the the interview we did with Brian a wee while back now was brilliant. I mean, like he gave up so much time that night to talk through it, to talk with us. Um, anyone that listens to the show regularly would know we we like to talk. Um, oh, I. <laughs> and Brian was like, you know, no danger, happy days, just just carried on going with it, carried on going with it. You know, we we were like, do you want to split this into a couple of different nights? And he was like, no, let's get it done. It's great. Brilliant guy, and as you say, good for a goal. What a what a oh. what a goal scoring record for a central defender. Unbelievable. Aye. Some cracking goals as well. Getting volley against it like the screamer against Clyde Bank, amongst others. Absolutely, definitely. So let's um let's come back around to your selection then for my favourite game. So when we first threw this one out to the uh the solar system on Twitter, we you were really quick off the mark to come back with this one, and it, it really intrigued us at the time. It's from all the way back in January 1993. It is Aberdeen's... I know, I know, I know. We've just gone oh, yes, 30 yes. years. <laughs> Aberdeen 7, Airdrie 0, at Pataudry in the old Premier Division. So before we get into the game itself in more detail, just why this game? What, what is it about this one that piques it to be your favourite? If I'm honest, I don't really know. It's uh, a midweek game. To this day, it's still the highest scoring win, or highest winning margin at an Aberdeen game I've been to, it was the fact that we could have scored 10 or 15 that night and nobody would have complained. And I think it was probably one of the few midweek games I could get to. Okay. Because I was, I, was, I was maybe, what, 15 at the time? So still at school, having to get the supporters bus through. By the time I got home, it was near probably 11 o'clock night. So it's... Whenever anybody asks me what my favourite game is, always this one. I just can't really... Put my finger on why it's just. But that's the magic of football. Sometimes it just is. Isn't it sticks it? in the memory. Sometimes it just is, and this is what I'm. All, this is what we were all about when we did this segment as well. It was like everyone's going to do the obvious, like '83 Bayern Munich, you know, all that stuff. I was like, let's get into some of the more kind of like slightly obscure matches that have maybe been lost 
down memory lane by a lot of sports. So, of course, the 92-93 season, it's a... I don't want to call it a vintage one because we didn't win anything at the end of it. No. But a really great season when you look back in retrospect. Now, yeah, Willie Miller's... It, nah, it's the... As far as I'm concerned, it's the best football I've ever seen. Yeah. Amount of goals scored, the wins. I think 20... I had a quick look earlier on. 27 wins, I think it was, in the league. Over those days again. Exactly. It was right. great. We played some brilliant stuff. Willie Miller's first full season in charge of the club because he right. obviously come in at the, um, midway through the season before. Um, by the point we get to January 93, we've already finished runners up um, to the now defunct Rangers in the League Cup final. But we're scoring goals for fun this season. We just touched on there. A particularly memorable brace of games as well come in late November. We, we hit Park Thistle for seven in that famously rearranged game. Hearts for six the next Saturday. Duncan Shearer has got back-to-back hat-tricks in those games. We roll into the new year, unbeaten since that defeat to Rangers in the League Cup final in November. Um, We get to the 16th of January. Now, we'd already played Airdrie twice so far this season. A 0-0 draw early in the season at Pataudry, followed by a 2-1 win for us at the old Broomfield, an own goal from Sanderson, and then Duncan Shearer, who else, takes north. So let's have a look back at the... The Don's lineup against Airdrie for this one, and it is as follows: Theo Snells is in goal, a I back line of Stephen Wright, Gary Smith, Brian Irvin, and Alex McLeish. A midfield trio of Brian Grant, Lee Richardson, Paul Mason, and then up top you've got Ian Jess, Scott Booth, and Mixu Patelini. Duncan Sheener misses this one um, because of injury, and, and you just touched on it there. I, I know that I always wax lyrical about this Aberdeen team, but it was something really special to watch this season, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was. Just from what I can remember, and it is based on 30 years ago, it was attack, 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 down the wings, swing the ball in, goal. Yeah. Shira, Patalayan, Jess, Booth. I think they all scored in the guts of 20 goals each, I think. Or there yeah. or thereabouts. I've got it, was, it here. So that front four, Jess, Shira, Booth, Patalayan. God, how much would that be worth in the modern game, by the oh, way? Multi-millions. Unbelievable to have all that talent in the squad at the same time. Shearer got 21 in the league that season. Mixu got 16. Scott Booth 13. Ian Jess 12. And Jess missed a big chunk of the season with a broken leg, of course. Uh, Clyde Bank. Uh, a total of 82 goals between those four across all the competitions. Scott Booth missed a bunch of games as well because injury. Good old sick note. <laughs> There's been so many seasons. I went back and I looked at this in the past. If you go through just seasons since that campaign where the entire team hasn't hit 82 goals across the season, uh, let alone just four of them. I know, it's, I don't know what it is, it just, they all just seem to click. Yeah. I mean, all great players are known, right, but they, for once, they've seen an Aberdeen team on all four strikers clicking, all the midfield, all the creative players, just everything just seemed to work. And Brilliant. I think as well you were really you, they were they were really well backed up by the likes of Lee Richardson who'd come in that summer. Brian Grant, I felt this was Brian Grant's prime period oh, yeah. as well as an Aberdeen player. Really underrated Brian Grant, I think, still to this day by a lot of Aberdeen supporters. And you had a decent backline as well. You know, Brian Irvin in there, Alex McLeish was coming to the end of his career, but still still could do a job. Theo in goals, you know. Oh, best keeper I've ever seen. Perfect. Well, after, until Jay Horter, obviously, winding well, up. Well, obviously, know, obviously. Obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, so just talk us through this game. What can you kind of remember about this? I mean, where would you have been sitting? Do you, well, do you I would have been sitting smack bang in the middle of the Markland. I think um, 76, I think. Yeah. Something like that. I have a good memory for my seat numbers. 
Uh, it's up now because I tell you what, that's not far away from where my official season ticket seat in the Mercond is at the moment. <laughs> Give me two seconds. This will be really spooky. Um, not that we ever sit in it, but it is N seventy five. Okay, bit of a coincidence there. Serendipity. There we go. All about it. Sorry, memories of the of the kind of build up to the game and everything. I don't remember too much about build up to the game. I remember. Getting a bus, having to get a sports club bus on the ball. We'd have got there maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes before kickoff. So it's basically off the bus, buy a program, and we're under the ground. Get in. Obviously, the warm up was at that end. Theo Snell's getting uh, his usual hard workout by Drew. Big Drew, that's it. And other than that, build up wise, it was just as normal as far as yeah. I can remember. But I do know we scored either first or second minute. So a lot of folk were still coming in. But a line scored. I've had a look back at the goals. It's really a two-minute clip. Yeah. The only thing I could find. So I can't. Well, uh, my memory fails me from what like the game was, but the goals, great goals. All of them. All of them. Even Brian Arvin's goal cleared off the line. The yep. last one. But it's just, as I say, my memory is thirty years past, oh, so course. I can't remember too much. But I do remember the the quick goal. And just the constant attacking. That's it. And basically, putting air to the sword. Yeah. This is the thing I remember, like, so you, you just touched on there, like, we got off to a perfect start. First minute, Paul Mason, what player Paul Mason was, sweeps a free kick in, south side side. It's met by Mixu first time, sweeps home a left foot finish past Martin. It's Pat Lyon's first goal in 12 weeks as well. When you go I back and look at, when you go back and look at the stats again, it's mad. He went 12 weeks without scoring and still ended up with 16 across the league that campaign. Um of course, this is a great thing, but before when we were when we were talking before we came on um the other day, you dug out as well the pro the program. Uh, I, I, I managed to make it out in a in a binder in a box. We're still all my programs are in boxes at the moment because I, I moved a couple of years ago and I haven't but I love the fact, again, serendipity with these things. Pat Lennon goes on to get four, but who's the big player profile in the programme that day? Big mix two. I love stuff like this when it happens. It's brilliant. And um, what we'll maybe try and do, Duncan, we'll put this out. If you've got those images again, we'll share them on Twitter and stuff because some of Mixu's answers and that are brilliant. I love just how deadpan they absolutely are. Anyway, Airdrie, um, they nearly get an equaliser. Ten minutes later, um, Theo has to make a good save from Owen Coyle in front of the... Richard Dornstad was the process of being built at the time, obviously. So he still had that weird situation uh, the, at the end. Building in a big like cardboard wall type of thing. Ah, yeah, yeah. They didn't go down the Arsenal Road. Remember when Arsenal were no, built? Uh, it was nah, the North Bank and they had the, the fake stand. The fake stand with the fake people in it. They should have done that. Anyway, um, Snelter's again doing well to feel the long-range effort from Sanderson and then gathers the ball in, throws the ball out to his old mucker, Mason, ball up the line to Ian Jess who does what Ian Jess does oh, running in well. from 40 yards beats a couple of players curls a great finish past Martin reminiscent of Marley Watkins at Tannadice oh, uh, at the weekend a great goal and another textbook example of just how good the Port Soy Pele was oh, fantastic player fantastic player really was I think I well, I don't know if I've seen his debut season or debut game but I think I've seen oh wait 99% of his home games he played for Aberdeen over the yeah. years and that skill that boy had unbelievable what a, just what a player honestly um, naturally gifted just ah, had everything had everything about him 
brilliant. Um, Dons make it three on 34 minutes. Booth with a great cross in from the main stand side. Big mix is there to tuck it home again. And then the big fin isn't done there. Grabs a first half hat trick on 42 minutes. Gary Smith finds Ian Jess in the centre circle. He does what Ian Jess does again. Turns, swivels, plays in Mason on the left flank and his cross balls headed home by Pat Lining. And we get the classic Aussie rules finger point Aye. celebration on the Aye, line so as well. One thing I do remember, the like a double kind of celebration, a wee celebration then, and then, oh, I'll go do this now. Go into the goal line. That'll do. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. Lovely stuff. And then just not content Aberdeen after halftime just to see this one out, which is one of the things I loved about this 92-93 team. You know, in modern football especially now, how many times do you see a team go in at halftime, three or four in a lot? But we don't get to see that very often at Aberdeen. No, not, right, not, but not much. Not, not these days, no. <laughs> you'll see a team go in and they'll just kind of like play easy second half. They'll not try and embarrass the away team too much or whatever. And it's it's just a bit much of a muchness. But this is what I loved about this Aberdeen team because that just wasn't happening ever um out McLeish with a header from a corner stopped on the line Scott Booze on hand to tap home number five it's six on 66 minutes you touched on it earlier on Mason with another corner met by Brian Irvin and his headers deemed to have crossed the line I think that would have been an interesting VAR challenge these days looking I back at the video so, yes. on that. No, I don't think it only accounted much no I don't think so Not these days and again though talking about goal scorers that was Irvin's sixth goal in nine games at that point uh, he went through a bit of a purple patch that season. I do remember that. I think it was ended up nine goals that season or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he. Pro- I think he is the next in line after the top four, which again is just ridiculous. Um, scoring's complete with twelve minutes to go. Roy Aitken come off the bench for Lee Richardson. He feeds Stephen Wright down the right flank. He plays a great one two with Paul Mason. Wright squares it for Mixu. He taps home his fourth goal. It's the seventh of the game. Unbelievable. Um, like you said earlier on, I'm I'm now I'm now trying to think actually if I've seen us win with a greater margin than this in a proper game, not a, not a friendly or anything. I don't think there has been. Not in my time. I think we've had a seven two, seven nil, seven two against them, um, or there were seven nil against Dundee and seven nil against Thistle and Airdrie. Yeah, I think this is I think this because I missed I missed the coincidine hat trick at Dens. Me too. I was working that night, which I'm unfortunately. eternally gutted about. Yeah, I think it. I think this might very well be as well. Actually, now I think about it. So, just keep. I mean, we we spoke about it earlier on. I mean, obviously, it's thirty years ago, so it's hard to try and remember too much about it. But any kind of recollections, memories about just not not name this of the game itself, but just that idea about coming back out of the game, back on the bus up to the Brock afterwards, seven 0 But it almost felt like it was kind of like normal it was, it was normal that's, what, that's exactly what it was it was normal scoring goals for fun with Willie Miller in charge he wouldn't let you stop just to take the player he was he took it into management he had to go get better and better and better score if you score five why not score six score six why not score seven but Bussardin buzzing on the way home usually was after a big win but I do remember hearing on the radio Afterwards, it, Alec, I think it was Alec McDonald the manager at the time for Airdrie. He probably would have been, yeah, I think so, yeah. I remember, no, I can't remember the word for word, but I do remember him saying something coming up the park and praising us. He said, those players came off the park absolutely knackered. Yeah. They never stopped going. We could have been 10 now and I had no complaints. Just They just kept going to the first minute to the last minute. And that's stuck with me to this day. I can't actually say, I can't remember exactly what he said, but paraphrasing a wee bit there, 
But it, it, the gist of it was that, and it's like, you don't see that nowadays. You just don't see teams going off absolutely done after 90 minutes because they've destroyed somebody. Yeah, nah, it's a very fair point. It's what we spoke about earlier on, isn't it? You kind of see teams just take the throw no. the gas a wee bit and they'll just knock the ball about for a bit of fun or whatever no one really ever goes and puts a team at the sword I don't think like we were um, that season and of course that season it's it's that classic what if season isn't it a little bit it it's, is, it's not to be and the Dons eventually finishing up second in all competitions to the uh, the now defunct Rangers Airdrie for their part and this eventually relegated alongside Falkirk back to the first division at this point Um Casting our minds back just that season as a whole, I mean, my my personal view of this is that this is undoubtedly the best Aberdeen team to have never won a trophy. Yes, I, would, I think I'd agree with that. It's, to this day, it's the best team I've seen, best players, like Jess, Booth, Bet, yeah. Grant. The, okay, we lost Miller a couple of seasons beforehand, but even Arvin was a more than capable replacement. Get Gary Smith coming through. Just some of the the football. It's just it's a team that deserved to win something. Even if it was just a cup, a league cup, a Scottish cup, they deserved to win something. Yeah. Just unfortunately it never happened. No, oh, I completely agree on that. And it's um it's one of these, isn't it? I, I often trace back um Aberdeen's kind of downward trajectory, um, to an extent to the to the Ibrox title decider in ninety one. Yes. Like, I I always felt it was a football club we never recovered from that. Like just being so close and the trauma of it, we just never quite recovered from that properly. I think as a fan base, it's the same. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think you're probably right from that perspective. But I also actually, in retrospect, I was thinking about it just in the build-up to, to coming and talking to you today. I kind of think as well that the 92-93 season, as brilliant as it was, almost kind of started to sow some seeds a little bit as well from that perspective because I think we all saw it. We came second playing brilliantly that season, playing really, really well. And you just touched on it. It wasn't Willie's style to be second best at anything. No, not at all. And for the following season to finish the same way in terms of the league campaign, that's when it all did start to go wrong, wasn't it, for Willie's uh, perspective? Because that's when he started to just rip it all up. And uh, Too many experienced players going, inexperienced and players are less quality coming in, or yeah. quality players coming in, but just not added, yeah. not, not clicking. And it just went all to shit after that, did it? It's a pretty little bit. For the next, for the next what, till Calderwood came in? Pretty yeah, much. it's probably fair, yeah. It was a little, little blippy spell when Ebb came in for a season or so and then Jimmy and then, uh, yeah, everything that went after it. So it's it's, it's that one. It's, it's almost like that. It's my thing with them, Aberdeen, a lot. Is I, I look at Ibrox 91 and I look at the 92-93 seasons kind of being sliding doors moments, you know, that yeah. if you pick up a trophy and one, if you, if you win the league in 91, I think everything changes. Well, the Scottish football changes. Yeah. No nine in a row, no Champions League for Rangers and all that. Exactly. Um, the, no, sorry, the defunct Rangers. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll get it right. Sorry. Um, no, we'll bleep them out if we need to. And it's the same with 92-93, I think, to a certain extent. I kind of feel if Aberdeen win a trophy that season, whether it's just one of the Cups, I think it, I don't know, I, I feel like it just wouldn't necessarily, it meant that we had such a, a, a rapid shift two seasons later from Willie. You know, he'd have had cash in the bank, he'd have credit in the bank. And I don't think we get ourselves in the mess that the 94-95 season ends up being. It's, no, it's such a I, pivotal season in our history, I think. I, I think, cup-wise, the best chance would have been the League Cup. Yeah. That last late, late on goal just was a killer. It was. It really was. And the Scottish Cup, not so much, because it was. I think we were beaten by half-time at the game. 
We were, we were, we were struggling a bit in that game. I also feel like Gary Smith never really recovered from that own goal. No, you know no. that. I... A good, a good player. Yeah, but confidence-wise, I think that was beginning and end of him. Even though he was just starting. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely, definitely. Listen, Duncan, it's been amazing getting to talk with you about Aberdeen seven seven. You would have had to have the video print with the writing on it. <laughs> Airdrie nil, brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. No bother, been a pleasure. Stand free. Same to you, stand free. And there we go. That wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ FP. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do on your podcast player of choice. Join us next time for episode. 116, more than likely, unless we sign some people. Um, as we'll look back on all the news from the week ahead, we'll review the game against Charlton. And then, that's right, the season is back. We'll look ahead to the opener of the cinch as we're joined by Jake from the Almond View podcast to preview our trip to the Spaghetti Had. We look forward to seeing you then. Well, of course, if the season's starting proper, we need to get our predictions in for the season. Oh, we do. Let's do that next week. I'll be in next week. Do that next week. Lovely stuff, Gav. Excellent. Who's taking home the honorary Mark Birigetti Award? <laughs> Look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.